All right. Happy Sunday to you all. This is the Sunday morning with the Elohim. We will be live here on the Internet for two hours. Thank you all for being here. And as usual, this is a simulcast with a conference call. And someone in, someone else just Hello. joined in. If you want to, feel free to say name and location. Hi, hi. This is Jeannie in Citrus Heights. Welcome to you, Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. Hi, hi. Cassidy's trying to say hi to everybody. <laughs> He gets jealous when I when I'm on the phone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So we wait for Winfrey to show up, and then see what's going to happen. Hopefully, Joy will be here as well this morning. Not sure. Happy Sunday. Welcome. Please say your name and location. Hey, it's Bonnie in California. Welcome to you, Hi, Bonnie. 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 Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. Hello. And there was one more. Well, welcome to the call. Welcome, Joan. Hi, thank you. Hi. I All mean, right. Anthony. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, Joan. Hi, guys. Hi, Joan. I wish you all a happy Sunday. And we wish you happy Sunday right back, Antonio. Thank you. It's always. Has, anybody, <laughs> has anybody heard about Lauren, how he's doing? I have not, no. Not but lately. Things, things have gone successful, but that's all we know so far. Okay, thank you. I've sent up a lot of prayers for him. Welcome Me to the next caller. Please say your name and location. Hey, uh, Paul's from Sedona. Hi, Raiden. Welcome, Raiden. Good morning, Raiden. Oh, hi, Sita. Hi, Raiden. Hi, Raiden. Everything well? Everything's very good over here. Thanks. One. I haven't seen the news, so I don't know what's going on in the news. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it's lies anyway. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm on the front porch, and a friend of... Okay, go ahead. Welcome to the call. Please say name and location. Roger in Austin. Welcome, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. All right. A friend of mine just passed by, and he does rescue work, 
and he rescued two girls in their early 20s that were stuck in the snow here in Oregon. So that was a good thing. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Where are you in Oregon? I'm in Ashland. It's southern Oregon. It's the first city after you cross north from the California border. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I lived in Coos Bay for years. Oh, that's on the ocean. That's nice. I'd like to have the ocean near. Got tired of the that's rain after a little. Man. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I grew up in Portland. <laughs> Portland's a big city now. Oh, it's an awful city now. <laughs> <laughs> a big, awful city. Welcome to the call. Please share name and location. Wynn in Sedona. Good morning, Wynn. Hi, Wynn. Good morning. Hi, Wynn. So do any of you have snow today? Yes. It's been snowing all morning. <coughs> in southern Oregon. Cassidy, be quiet. Be quiet. No. What's that? I was just telling my dog to quit barking. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> just a minute. I'll, I'm going to make myself. <laughs> He's just trying to be part of it. That's all. Happy Sunday. Welcome. Please hit your location. This is Lewis the Louse from Logan. Welcome, Lewis. Lewis the Please send a welcome. Please send name and location. But of course, only if you want to, we welcome you. You're so gentle and kind. I was going to say, if you don't, we have severe consequences. <laughs> If you don't, you'll be like Lewis the Louse and be a lurker. <laughs> Lewis, I'm getting fond of you in spite of yourself. <laughs> well, I think we're all winners on this call. Yeah, yeah I agree. Well, it's like family. Get it like winners, as in win. <laughs> yes, we love win. 
you guys have now discovered why I'm an out of work comedian. I'm not funny. <laughs> you must be German. Nine. Welcome. Please say name and location. Welcome, John. Hey, I'm just curious. How many of you can tell a wanderer when you meet them? Would you give a definition and describe what a wanderer is? I have identified as sex, but... A wanderer is someone like me that walks around a lot but never gets where they're going. (laughs) That that would fit. (laughs) When I heard California, but I didn't catch the question. I didn't say California. I don't think. Oh, I thought you did. I said, uh, how many of you have met a wanderer who didn't know they were a wanderer? Yeah. I didn't know they were a wanderer. Welcome to the conference call. Please say name and location. It's Lewis Elias again from Logan, not lurking this time. (laughs) And there was a second person... We welcome you. I'm sorry. If my second personality is bothering you guys, just ignore him. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just do walk-in, right? <laughs> That's right. Whenever I get tired of my second personality, see, my second personality hates my drugs. If I take my drugs, he fades away. Oh. <laughs> the, the ones for the schizophrenia? <laughs> So you are a good comedian after all. Well, I have my moments. <laughs> well, you got me to laugh, and it's freezing cold here, and I'm on the front porch, so laughter is a healing thing from this cold. <laughs> Why are you outside? Um... Because it's so beautiful out here. We have a mountain and it's all covered with snow and everything. <laughs> we have someone else joined in. Happy Sunday. Welcome. If you want to, feel free to say name and location. Pauline, New York. Hi, guys. Welcome, Pauline. Hi, Pauline. Hi, Pauline. That's a beautiful name. Not not very common anymore, but it's beautiful. Pauline? Yes. Thank you. It's very unusual. I always think of Pauline, unfortunately, and I can't find that book. (laughs) (laughs) 
What do you think, guys? You ready to start? Let's do that. All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. Cecil is not here. Okay. Uh, March 5th. The recording has started. This is March 5th, 2022, 23. When in Sedona and Terry Terry and Friends in the Fifth Dimension. Let's do a wave to Terry. Now, I was going to have Cecil call in the light, but he's not here. And he started the routine of going to church on Sunday. And so he said he, if I didn't do it right at the beginning, he would be off to church. So, all right, we tried, Cecil. You know, before we, we started running tape recorder. I asked a question. How many of you had recognized someone who was a wanderer that didn't have a clue? And how do you recognize somebody who's a wanderer? Are we unmuted, guys? All participants are unmuted. How do you recognize someone who is a wanderer? Why don't you tell us? Unconventional. Unconventional. Footprints go in a circle? Somebody not rooted, uh, searching, seeking constantly. Say that again, somebody what? I said somebody always seeking, searching, um, unrooted. They're not able to, uh, they're not in a stable situation usually. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of wanderers in this realm. A lot. Like, I think it's something like 100 million. And most of them don't know they're wanderers. And I suppose the official definition of a wanderer and it's, it's a term that Nirago initiated was someone who had graduated this realm, was in a higher dimension, and decided to come back here, usually for the purpose of being of service in this realm. And I know that... Um, I think the rock group said this. Um, sometimes when they're on the other side, they say, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be the one that's going to save everybody. Blah, 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 blah. And that was their intent. And when they're here, 
Somewhere that intent is still in their consciousness, but not in their conscious self-consciousness, okay? And some people become wanderers or incarnate when they don't have to. It's because there are people they really care about in this realm who they want to help. And so they come in so they can do that, so they can be in their family and help them, especially if they're stuck. And majority of wanderers come into this realm and and I believe the raw material, at least at the time that, that was channeled, it said 90% of wanderers get lost again in reincarnational cycles once they come here. Okay? It's a lot of percentage. A failure rate, I would say. And um, so... I was thinking about wanderers that I have in my life right now and that I've had in my life in the past. And, you know, I know they're wanderers because of the unconventional way of dealing with things. And sometimes because of their sadness. And I think for a good portion of my life, I have been a wanderer magnet. And I'm attracted to those kinds of people, whether they know it or not. And I ended up staying up late last night (laughs) because there was a wanderer that I met years ago. And when I was younger, I, I, I didn't fit. I was trying to fit, figure out where I fit. And I used to be attracted to kind of bohemian, bohemian type situations. I remember that in the paper, they would talk about these coffee shops in downtown Philadelphia. And um, I would occasionally go to them to see what beatniks looked like. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, I never said, <clears throat> but I was curious. And then... I worked at an electronics store in downtown Philadelphia. I used to go in there all the time and buy things. And it was on Art Street, which was right next to Skid Row. And it was owned by these two guys that were partners, Arnold and Charlie. 
And it was a four-story building. And Charlie was definitely a wanderer. Arnold wasn't, Charlie was. Charlie was as eccentric as hell, as heaven. Charles Nowinski was his name. And uh, he built an apartment on the second floor of the store. He built it himself and lived there. And it would not be a place that people would think of living. It was on a business street. It was kind of uh, bordered on Skid Row in Philadelphia. And um, Arnold and Charles had a guy that would wander in from Skid Row who would do little jobs there in the store. He was Beaver, black guy. And I used to go to the store after school, and they trusted me. I had the key to the store. I would stay till to lock it up, and uh, I knew all about electronics. So if anyone came in, it was it was actually a surplus store. They had a lot of surplus electronics, as well as some moving. And when people would come in, I could always handle them or find what they needed. And Charlie, at the end of the, when the store was going to close, Charlie and I would oftentimes go and have dinner downtown. And he had all these philosophy books. He had all these really deep library of stuff. And I would ask him about it. And we we had a loving bond that was very unusual for me at that time. I had never met anyone like that. And when I was finally going home, I had to take the subway for about eight miles. Then I had to take a bus. It was a big deal. And uh, sometimes Charlie would get on the, on the subway with me and ride to my stop and then go back downtown again. And... Uh, It was just a lot of loving energy. I never experienced that in anyone before. And he wasn't like anybody else that I knew in my family. And sometimes we would walk down to Independence Hall. Independence Hall was about five blocks away. And I like to go to Independence Hall. I wonder why. <laughs> and and uh, I would just stare at it, and he would go with me. And it was downtown Philadelphia, so there was all the bustle of downtown. And uh, 
we would go to different restaurants and have dinner. I can't remember now if he bought me dinner or not. I can't remember. I mean, um, he might have. But in any case, eventually, he was Polish. His last name was Malinsky. And he was Polish. And one day he said, I'm going to Poland. And I didn't, we didn't see him for a month. And then when he came back, he brought back a, Pol- a Polish woman who was his, he married her. He went to Poland to get a Polish wife. Previously, he'd been married to an American woman and they had a terrible relationship. Now, somebody's making all the noise in their kitchen. We better mute people, right? All right, guys. I'll do it. Can I remember how? Charlie, Charlie was one of those people that influenced me quite a bit. All participants are unmuted. Oops. When I came back, when I went to college, and I would come back from college, I would always... All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. I would always go back to the store and visit with Charlie and his wife. And now they had a kid that was growing up. And uh, Charlie was a little bit saying, what are you doing with that long hair? And I was looking more and more radical, right? And uh, he kept telling me I would make a good lawyer. I should be a lawyer. And eventually, we lost contact. And actually, they sold the store. And he wanted to buy a farm in Maryland. And he did. And then another guy, he was a wanderer. This was all... I mean, I'm sure he was a wanderer, you know? He was so unconventional. And he managed to, um, you know, build a life kind of on the fringes of the system, living with his wife and kids in the near Skid Road district of Philadelphia on the second floor of his electronics store. Then, when I would come back to Philadelphia for the summers, I had a, I used to get jobs at TV stations because I had a commercial radio license. And um, then on the weekends, oftentimes, I would go to New York City. 
And I had an uncle in New York, and I would stay with him. And I was still pursuing this bohemian idea. I would go to Greenwich Village and go to the coffee shops. And one weekend, I went to New York City, and I met some guy who was in a band. And he invited me to some recording sessions they were doing. His father had a studio on Broadway. His father was a violin player. He used to play in classical, he used to play as a session musician. And his son, a, a band formed with these musicians that were hanging around in the studio. And at the time, I identified with folk music. I, I thought rock music was for the commoners or something like that. I, I had a, uh, I mean, it's when I was discovering Bob Dylan and Peter, Paul, and Mary, and um, in Philadelphia, there was a, a venue where all the folk musicians at the time would perform. And I used to go there occasionally. Now I meet this guy who's in a rock and roll band, of course, of sorts. And we kind of bond. And I could really relate to him. And he was very shy, very quiet. And he and his band were working out an arrangement for a song in, their fa in his father's studio in Broadway, on Broadway. Well, not Broadway where all the plays are, Broadway the street. I can't remember exactly where, but... And it was fun to sit there and the energy of it. Although it's kind of condescending a little bit to everybody because I thought folk music was where it was at and I wasn't attracted to rock and roll at the time. So this, this little group got a record deal and they made a record. And it became a classic hit, which I'm sure all of you know. They had two hits. And they were really unique in terms of records at the time. Because the guy's name was Mike Brown. Actually, it was Mike Lukowski, but his stage name was Mike Brown. And... Uh, I, it was hard to believe that I was sitting in this little studio with a record now that was being played all over the United States. And it became a classic. I mean, other people started recording it. Linda Ronstadt recorded it. The Four Tops recorded it. And it was called Walk Away Renee. 
And I'll bet you guys remember that song. Let me see if you remember it. Hang on a second. Hang on. Yeah. All participants are unmuted. I you guys remember what? You remember it? Yeah, I remember yes. it. Yes. And, and then their other song. song was... Pardon me? I said it was a good song. It was a good one. It was good. And, Don't uh, walk away, Renee. You won't see me follow you back home. <laughs> now, Renee, Renee was the girlfriend of one of the other people in the band. <laughs> and this guy had a crush on her. And that's how he wrote the song. And then he wrote another song called Pretty Ballerina. Remember that? No, I don't remember that one. It wasn't as big as Walk Away Renee, but this guy played harpsichord. And they were saying he was, this band that was called The Left Bank was starting a new trend called Baroque Rock. He goes with a harpsichord. And uh, and I went to visit him for quite a few months afterwards. And, and we were kind of friends. But he was very, very withdrawn. He did not have a, um outgoing personality. And Sounds neither like did I. Sounds like what? Sounds like a wanderer. I was like, oh, yeah, he was definitely a wanderer. And um, last night, I looked him up and I found out he had died. And his group, his group, uh, kind of broke up. Actually, they went on for some time without him, and they didn't get along with each other. They were always at odds. But he was the genius of the group. He, you know, he did the arrangements with his father and played the harpsichord. And if you remember Walk Away Renee, it was not like a normal rock song. It had violins, it had a flute, it, it was very uh, unusual. Classical side to it, right? And, um, And so I was just reading all about him in all the years since the last time I ever saw him. And of course, um, and then, let me see, another wanderer. You know, I'm going to try to contact him through Joy on the other side. Because I'm curious if so I, I, I had a lot of, lot, when I looked at him and I looked at all the videos about him, I had a great affection for him. And I think he did for me. But we were not mature enough to express it. And I don't mean in a gay way. I mean even in a deep friendship way. I cared for the guy. 
and I still cared for him. I still cared for him. And I'm saying, I wonder if he's stuck on the other side. I wonder if uh, we can contact him, okay? And uh, let's say let's say hello to Joy. Not to Joy. Joy is taking a day off. You know, she spent about five days doing some kind of course somewhere, and she's recuperating from it. But Terry is here. Hi, Terry. Let's give Terry and friends the wave. And I think she gave a knock last night, but I couldn't confirm it. So then another wanderer that I read into, okay? Um, one time I was on one of my trips to New York and I was in Greenwich Village. And I went into this cafe, underground cafe called Cafe Wa, W-H-A. And they had a stage and they had a guy playing music there. And I remember just being taken out of my body. The guy was such an amazing musician, and he would he was wild. And there was hardly anyone in the room. I couldn't understand how such a talented musician could be playing to a room with five people in it. But years later, I saw the guy's picture on a record album cover. Can anyone guess who it was? No. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> now, Jimmy could not get attention in this country. He went to England, and he actually broke into his first bit of fame in England. And then he came back here. And of course, the rest was history. I remember thinking when I was watching him um, that he sure have to be good to be a guitar player these days because I couldn't believe how good he was. He was as good then as he was later, you know, playing playing with his teeth. And um, he was a brilliant musician, definitely a wanderer. A wanderer who figured out how to get through and do something. And... The last wanderer I'll mention, those of you that have seen my movie, you have a whole little insert on this guy. When I was with Jillian in Berkeley, and Jillian, if you saw the movie, Scott, if you're on the line, I haven't forgotten, I'm going to send you the movie. Um, 
Jillian was a major influence in my life. She's probably listening right now. Hi, Jillian. She, she, um, opened me up to everything metaphysical. <coughs> Prior to Jillian, I was a first-class nerd. Let me mute everybody. All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. And Jillian was into astrology. She was into health food. She was into spirituality. I even think she used to go see some of the channels at the time. And I, I could not believe astrology could work. My scientific mind said, how can the planets influence a human? And Berkeley had a street on it, a major student walk street called Telegraph Avenue. And I would um, go up to Telegraph Avenue. And I was never very social. But I would sit in a lot of environments and just feel the energy of it. Telegraph Avenue was always hopping. It had coffee shops. It had street vendors. And one of the the most popular coffee shop is called Cafe Med. And um, I would go in there and and just sit in the middle of the ambience. I never talked to anybody. Um, I never went out on a date. I just uh, would be in environments and felt, felt the energies of the environments I was in. And there was this black guy who had a group of hippie girls gathered around him at a table. And he was there every day. And he would be doing astrology charts for these girls. He wasn't charging them. He was just, he wasn't even trying to pick them up. And I didn't understand how he could do it. And uh, and one one day I asked him if I could sit and listen, because I was trying to figure out if astrology worked or not. And so then every day for... A couple of weeks, I would sit at the table. I didn't talk to anybody. I just sat and took it all in. And then after a few weeks, there was a bar in Berkeley called Mandrakes that Jillian and I and our band played music at sometimes. And... Um, I was sitting in the bar, and 
I have no idea why I was there because I don't usually go to bars and I don't drink. I didn't drink. I still don't. Um, and this guy, Carol Perry, who was doing these astrology charts, walks in. And although I never talked to him, I never engaged with him. He walked up to me and gave me a warm hello, shook my hand. And then he said, are you a Taurus with Gemini rising? Or aren't you a Taurus with Gemini rising? And um, that was correct. And it convinced me that there's something to astrology when he did that. And when I, the last time I saw him, was when I went to the book publisher in Berkeley to close the deal on the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, And I went to Kathleen Ned, and I said, I wonder if Carol Perry is still going here. And he was. And uh, and he, he wasn't there when I walked in, but he came in later. He didn't have a bunch of girls doing charts. And... Uh, and I had to start a warm connection with him. And eventually, I looked him up on the internet, and he died. And I learned he did all these things, like he managed he managed musical groups, like uh, Chamber Brothers and Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, if you ever heard of them. He, he managed some of the clubs in Berkeley. And he owned one of them. And then he would minister to people. The guy was a, a model of someone who was manifesting his spirituality without totally outside of any system. No church, nothing. He was just a walking, loving guy. And he gave an example of that to me at that time because I never met anybody like that before. I mean, if somebody was doing something, they're not sure. He's doing these people's charts all day and he's not charging them. But he knew that he was blessing people and he did it. He did it without worrying about what he was getting out of it. And then, most recently, here in Sedona, this is like wanderers in my life. Make a good book, wouldn't it? Um, there was a, um, a, a woman that came into my field And and she started helping us put our pendants together. She didn't do this while Terry was alive. This was after Terry was gone. And uh, Raiden introduced me to her. And so, Raiden is a really good wanderer type, you know. 
and high rating if you're listening. In any case, um, you know, we have to package dependence. And so this woman is like, she's, she's attractive, she's tall, she never wears shoes. She rides her bicycle everywhere and somehow figures out how to make enough money every month to pay rent. And she has a very high vibration, but she doesn't really recognize herself with that. She's just preoccupied with how to survive in this realm. And if I started telling her she was a wanderer, she wouldn't have a clue. But she's not old enough yet to be introspective enough. So I don't try. I just let her put our pendants together, and uh, she might help with other things. But she is definitely a wanderer. And on that note, I'm going to do a replay today, and, you know, our, our most popular and impactful group of sessions is how the Elohim created the universe. And... I don't know how, how how you have been impacted by it, but I have been impacted by it. Because we went through with about 30 calls over a few-year period of time, this particular topic. And every call built onto the one before it. It started out with where did the Elohim come from? And uh, they were vibrations on a field of energy, initially. And, and I mean, they explained it in detail, and it was quite sophisticated. But they were vibrations on a field of energy that individuated themselves. And they were pure energy units. They, there was no physicality at the time. And they invented physicality by the way they put energies together. And then the manifest universe started to form. And uh, and here we are. Initially, at the higher levels, and as I understand it, the higher levels got built first. And that they would build the levels underneath them. And the deeper you went, the more um, dense everything became. And at the higher levels of the universe, matrix, everybody knew they were part of each other. And at the lower levels, they lost track of that and they became competitive. 
and we have the world we live in today. It's very fascinating. I highly recommend anyone. It's on it's on it's on the Spirit Channel under topics. How the Elohim created the universe, and it's stuff that has never ever been in the world before. They never talked and explained this to anybody. Nobody asked the right questions. Okay, so I'm going to play one of the middle sessions of that, okay? Not the early ones. And let's see what it sounds like. This is September 29th, 2015. 28. When? 28th. September 28th. When and Terry and... I'm proud. I- like I shift two today. <laughs> <laughs> so if we make enough money, we will fire Terry, <laughs> and we we'll let her do what she's she's best at. And um, but in the meantime, you know, it's not too often people get packages coming from former saints, right? So well, there's a lot of love goes into it. That's right. That's right. But this is definitely one of those, I think this is one of the most important products I've ever put out. And I actually, I'll just tell you, I got the idea. of I've known about ozone therapy for many years. And at one point I had a machine and uh, somebody stole it. And then I didn't buy another one. But I love drinking the ozonated water other parts of my body that get fatigued. So yet they were alone souls at that point. They only knew, just like all of us, we show up here, going through the birth canal tends to um, destroy the memory. And, and so all of us, some of you listening here on this call today, I'd be willing to bet, are alone souls. And you didn't have a clue. But there is a criteria. You know, some of you are Rossol, some of you are Elohim souls. There is a criteria. Elohim souls tend to be artistic. They tend to be mathematical, geometric. Rossols tend to be psychic. Um, they tend to be um, more practical. They have certain wisdom of this realm. The Elohim souls don't when they come in. So this is, you know, a whole new perspective on the idea of God, because I don't think it gets any higher than the Elohim, and yet they don't want to be worshipped. They want to be our friends from another level, and that because they're from a higher dimension, they can connect with us, and they can actually love us from their vantage point, and we can feel the energy of that love. As many people have who are on this call. So let's get started, Terry. You ready? Ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Ready as I'll ever be, all right. Father, Mother, God, we ask for the presence of the light to surround and protect Terry, myself, and everyone on this call, 
and any negativity be taken to the highest realms of light and transmuted for the highest good of all concerned. We see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through the Milky Way, through the solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. And right now, we invoke a group energy connection while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls, and we invite those sources that are positive, service to other, honoring the law of one, to join with us. We create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. And do we have our sources present? Yes. This is Ra'an. We are a combination of the certain aspects of the Ra'an group and certain aspects of the Elohim group who have come together particularly for this group of people to assist where we can and answer questions. And we are not a fixed um, a number or a fixed group of entities as this can change depending upon the questions asked. And the entities uh, within the Elohim group and the Raw group are um, come forward uh, as the answer to uh, the question best suits something that they can personally answer. Uh, do you have questions? Yes. Did you create us, or are we creating you? Did we create you? No. Did you create us? No. You are all aspects of God, the one infinite creator. And you have discovered, each one of you, the trick to exist in the physical universe. You personally discovered the trick, which is that you start out not as chaos, but you start out as nothing, and then an awareness. But in order to be aware, you have to have something to be aware of. If there's nothing to be aware of, then it is nothing. So when you become aware and there is something to be aware of, how does that happen? When you learn as aspects of God did, as we did in the beginning, to fold ourselves over, to move our energy into a condensed space, and then fold ourselves over so that there is two instead of one, then there is something for us to be aware of. And one discovered this trick, and two discovered this trick, and many discovered this trick, 
and life began, awareness of something began, and then creativity began, and it was discovered that when the spinningnesses occurred, it's one which spin the energy after becoming aware that then within the spinningnesses that strands of DNA would develop and these strands would become sometimes very, very long and then other energies, portion wave energies can move in around them and can form and begin to create life forms. Somebody asked if the um, if the universe was seeded uh, throughout it. It was not seeded by spreading sperms around. It was I'm sorry, did you, it was seeded, not seeded by what? I didn't understand the word. It was not seeded by spreading uh, seeds or sperm all over the place. Uh, that is only a very rough idea. It was seeded by spinning messes. Once there is spinning of space and the Spinning begins to focalize the consciousness of the one infinite creator so that within that one spinningness, consciousness begins to develop. And then the certain aspects of the Elohim who had come in first, began to observe. They began to observe light. And they went, wow, look at that. We spun some space. And look at all these lights beginning to show in the space. And this became a great game. It wasn't something, okay, now we're going to do this or that. No, it was just a game. Uh, like, look what we can do. We can spin the space and we can see all these lights beginning to emerge. And it was the spinningness of the strands of DNA that were beginning to create consciousness. And the consciousness then, some of these Elohim that came in were looking at that and Maybe we can form this into images to we can form it into something that we can have as a vision. And then they began to say, Okay, well it can't be round or it can be oblong and then they started to form it and see other ones spontaneously form into amoeba and small parts of life, and then it gradually began to develop that these forms of life could be put together, Elohim and 
the first ones to have consciousness begin to say, we can take our vision and we can begin to move these elements together, the DNA together, and see what happens. And gradually, they built up life forms. And as life forms build, then the life forms thought, well, we can create, we can make jingles, we can clone, we can make uh, little units. And so then uh, they uh, noticed that uh, planets were developing within the galaxies, the solar systems, the suns were developing, and that these all had a consciousness. They were spinning entities, and they had a consciousness. They noticed that in the spinning first say, that there were spirits that were set to watch over other areas. They assigned themselves areas to watch over. And then when rivers would come through, it would sort of break in the middle of their um, their scene that they were watching over and break, kind of break them up and... Uh, they wouldn't know what quite what to do with that. So you have the Indians, uh, some of the Hopi thinking, all right, we don't want rivers or, or running water or, or irrigation to happen because it's breaking up the spirit watching, watch, watchers that are protectors. And uh, so you have different cultures developing different ways of looking at all of this. But does this answer some of your questions? We do not hear you. Everything in the universe spins. Um, nothing is static. The the earth spins, everything rotates. Is in, everything is in motion. And Everything is in motion, and even, and even down to our bodies, where we have atoms, that electrons are spinning around something in the center, and, and planets are spinning around the sun, and galaxies are in motion. It's all yes. spinning. And yes, storms are spinning. Tornadoes are spinning, hurricanes are spinning, and they have a consciousness, which is a condensed from the all that is condensed energy, Christian wave energy that begins to coagulate and begins to have a consciousness. So this relates directly to the Elohim's first cause of creating skinniness or frequency. Yes. And yes. As, I, as I understand it, the Elohim are extremely mathematical and precise, and yes. they, could, they could kind of um, gauge in advance what might happen when something spins and how yes. that would affect... 
And so... They, they can uh, uh, steal him. And we're coming through as a translation unit, so we're a dumbed-down version here. But we, as the Elohim, can look at all of the equations at one time, and we can factor them all in. Um, it is beyond the comprehension of a human mind and their density. Uh, and when we first uh, started uh, to come through, we tried to present this nonlinear viewpoint of all these different equations uh, and how they all work together. Um, however, it was beyond the comprehension of um, the uh, channel because it took into so many factors uh, and, and differential equations and um, uh, connecting of, of uh, one uh, portion of the body with the the uh, DNA with the uh, putting it all together, it takes complex equations to put it all together, and uh, so uh, it's like we think that way. And uh, however, when we come through here, we come through the dumbed-down version through our translation unit that we set up to talk with you. Mm-hmm. Now. A human is a part of all of this energy, and yes. I, w- I would guess on it. operates on it, and I would guess that humans create spinningness even when they don't know they're doing it. And well, the for body example, creates the molecules within the body are spinning, right. the chakras are spinning, and it all. Um, Holds it all together. When a human creates a very high intention, do they create spinningness in the field through their intention? They are in a field that is spinning. So when they have an image or vision, uh, it can be picked up and spun within the field. Um, it doesn't necessarily uh, spin. Like, it only creates a two-dimensional vision. It Muted. will appear and disappear and appear and disappear and appear and disappear. And so they need to uh, put it there for a little while and for to image. Uh, but is it spinning? Not necessarily, but if it is integrated into the chakras and into the Earth orbit and into the star orbit, it's, it's like it is the effect of a lot of different spinnings. Mm-hmm. Now, there are certain people of spiritual orientation that consciously use spinningness. For example, whirling dervishes, Sufis, who for for thousands of years 
have these dances where they spin. Uh, there's people... And they some use of it as a way to reach God, which yeah. is a... Um, mm, uh, well, go ahead. So that, that actually can work then, really? That can work, however... Uh, it, there are two ways to spin clockwise and counterclockwise. Counterclockwise it tends to uh, remove one uh, in, from their connection with the third density and move them more into the god realm. Uh, spinning in the clockwise direction tends to uh, keep their body together better and to. Uh, heal and uh, to connect them with the things around them better and their life mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, like, also when I've heard people talk about the idea of spinning fields, and that's called Merkaba uh, spinning, that um, there's clockwise and there's counterclockwise and there's magnetic fields and there's electrical fields that are around a human, and that, just to some people, use this whole idea of spinningness, and it creates, actually, a negative connection in higher realms, that negative sources would want humans spinning in such a way that doesn't connect them to source, but connects them to a higher level of negative. Is, is that fairly accurate? Well, they can set up within some of the major public buildings sending energies that when the person walks in and their chakras are sending in a clockwise direction and it tends to nudge their chakras to spin in a counterclockwise direction, they can feel dispersed when moving into a large uh, building, and then people that do not wish to be affected by this use jewelry so that it can maintain the correct spin of their chakras. Um, So... Um, pay attention when you walk into a large building if you feel disoriented um, because it can be affecting you. In other words, there can be an intentional spinningness put on by the negative, put on by the negatives that um, this person is people in the field. Yeah. So if you you can like you can walk into an environment. It has that spin on it and get caught up in it very easily, right? Well, you can disperse and feel sick or dizzy. Yeah. Now, you know, we know that Elohim souls came into this realm. Um, when they initially started interfacing with the consciousness in this realm, they were going back and forth. Is that right? They, they, could, they could manifest in some way. When they manifested, they could see a body. They could see a body and say, "Hey, I wonder what it would be like to occupy that body." And so they did. They would come down to occupy the body to experience things like sex and to experience these uh, body phenomena, and then 
the, when you get into the veil, when you start to do that, because the body consists of molecules, genetic field, and you begin to uh, take on those um, fields. And so you begin to uh, be made, uh, like, expressing different uh, aspects that aren't you and genetic from the ancestors and you, you begin to um, forget because you are duplicating what you're copying your uh, new body uh, cells and genetics and, uh, and so you forget like and some people don't forget and they have memories and uh so they say, like, mm, I was a pilot. I, I was a pilot, and, and uh, the parents go, well, you're actually <laughs> kid. You know, it's like so the, the parents tend to push it aside when a child does remember. But um, then as the person gets more into this life and more uh, into the experiences of growing up, that the memories of the past life tend to fade. Now, as I recall, and when I read Edgar Casey, um, it was indicated that he didn't use the word Elohim, but I believe he was talking about the Elohim, that they the, uh, came into this realm and they would occupy bodies. And they could go back and forth until they had a sexual experience in the body they were occupying, and that would bind them into the a trap in this realm, the karma of this realm. Is that fairly accurate? Well, it is a fairly uh, profound uh, experience uh, that the individual then... Has within their field uh, uh, to as a reference, and uh, they tend to uh, put that forward more than the idea of going uh, back to their home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are Elohim still coming into this realm? Elohim souls now and taking on bodies. Every now and then someone comes in that thinks that they can help to uh, uh, forward the consciousness of the people and uh, they they make the brave move uh, to come in and uh, to to see. They, they don't know when they come in uh, what the experience is like of... Uh, being in the realm and forgetting who you are when you are connected with all of the molecules and cells and memories, uh, genetic memories of, of the uh, uh, genetic energy of the body. Uh, they, they don't have the experience of that, so they can't quite imagine that they're going to forget. But then it takes them over very often. You know, is it similar to the idea that something that happens, um, men and women can suddenly engage 
in a new relationship. And they think they're going to really love somebody, but they end up actually, particularly if you have a higher consciousness person, and this is not to make a judgment or say one is better than the other, everyone's on their own track. But if a, if a, if a higher consciousness person, an older soul, goes into a intimate relationship with a lower consciousness person, the higher consciousness person, uh, from my experience, has to contract so that they can be familiar to the other person. Because the higher... It can be frustrating because the lower consciousness person, are, they hope, will be a, a good uh, companion then the lower consciousness person will not be able to understand the concepts, and so the person feels uh, more isolated. The so then, then the higher consciousness person feels can feel trapped in the situation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They can so, feel. And I imagine if an Elohim soul comes into this realm, it would be very easy for any higher dimensional soul that comes into this role, because they're coming in at such a high level, they can't find anything to reflect it back, so they end up feeling trapped. And, and or ultimately... Frustrated or frustrated, uh, yeah. or, or it can go many ways. They can think, well, they have to be very creative and think of a way to get it across. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know what? We've finished the end of our call. This was really, really interesting. And thank you so much for answering our questions. Anything you want to say before we close? Well, we so appreciate each and every one of you and the opportunity uh, to uh, bring uh, our communication within and to uh, and give it to each and every one of you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll see you Wednesday when people submit their questions. And on that note... Um... Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Good night, all. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Terry. Okay, this is when in present time coming in, and uh, um, that was an awesome session, as far as I'm concerned, and. Every time I listen to one of these old sessions on this topic, I get, um, what's the word? I get triggered. And the really amazing thing about the Elohim is 
least in terms of how they relate to us, they um, they want to be our friends. They want to help us, and they have the ability to move through the dimension. Or I don't know if the word move or expand is the right word. They can expand into our realm. They can connect with each of our consciousnesses individually. And we have seen so many examples of that where people have had what looks like miracles. And they're not miracles from the Elohim's perspective. But they need access, which is what we're doing on our calls. We are giving them, we're getting to know them. We're getting to tune into their frequencies. And as we do that, they can tune into our frequencies. And they can do things from their realm that can help us. And those of you who are regulars on our calls have seen many incidents of this. And some of you have seen incidents of this in your own lives. And that's why listening to the calls is so important. It's the foundation for our work. I don't believe there's another thing you can do in this realm that could have more potential for causing your own stimulating, catalyzing your own growth and your own understanding of what it means to be a human in this realm. And uh, let's see, we got about a half an hour to go. You know, normally we have joy on as part of this call, and she'll probably be back again maybe tomorrow or maybe Wednesday. I hope she still wants to keep doing this. As you know, when Terry left the realm um, last year, she's positioned herself in fifth density. And she is able to make communication with you. And a whole team formed around her. And obviously, to me, they are using our group as an interface to help lift the vibration of not only ourselves, but the planet. 
And the trick is, it's not that they can just wave a magic wand and something changes. They need the access. They need humans to feel their energy and their frequencies, which then gives them the access to implement miracles. And uh, let me see, I think I'll just unmute everybody here. Just a moment. All participants are unmuted. Thank you. Now, I bet you guys really like that call. Yes. Yeah? Great call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting about the sexual experiences because I've had some where I completely forgot everything. I understand. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Because when you have sex, on some level, you are merging your consciousness with that other person. Absolutely. And when you do that, you become them. And you become lose one. yourself. I said, were, were you asking me what I said? I said, you become them. You become that other you person. Become one. You become one. You become a you. Yeah. And you start forgetting yes, everything else. And the, the sexual experience is so powerful that you trade off the forgetting for the experience. You know, sex balance, I won't say it always does this, but it has the potential to balance your physical body energies, to make energies flow in your body where it was blocked for whatever reason. So it has beautiful potential. But when you're an advanced soul, you can still have blocked energies and, you know, it creates an intensity to want to have that sexual exchange which unblocks energies. Except when you do it with a person with a more contracted consciousness, you have to, you know, the thing that's higher can always contract to the thing that's lower. Okay? I mean, we can become dogs. We love our dogs. We feel how a dog feels, right? I mean, we come back and we usually maintain ourselves, but dogs help us feel balanced because they have the ability to 
love unconditionally. And they certainly don't have the understanding potential that a human has. Hey, Charlie. Hey, handsome. Pardon me? They have some? I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. The background had been muted. Okay. And, I mean, we have the ability to become one with anything. And if you want to um, act as a positive catalyst for other people, you have to learn the ability to become one with them so they know you feel them and to come back to being who you are outside of them. Otherwise, you get trapped in feeling like them, dealing with all their issues, and uh, you can go through that for many lifetimes, and even with the same person or persons, because you made an energetic connection on the other side. and. Um, This ability of the Elohim to move into this realm and become one with us without getting trapped. And when they do it and they're holding their position in the higher realms and they come in and they become one with us, There's not such a potential to become trapped because they're holding their center point. But when they take a body, they would leave their center. They would leave the higher realm to have the experience of a body. And once they have sex, and perhaps there's other things as well. They get involved into the karmic pattern of the person they're having sex with, and they get trapped. And then they they can become negative very easily. And why do you become negative in this realm? Because in this realm... The Elohim do not need things in the way we need things. They're energy units. They don't have physical bodies. They don't have possessions. They don't have sex. And all of those things are what cause a person to become trapped here and even negative possessions 
people, you know, money and possessions, what do they do? They give you freedom. They're not bad. They're a necessity of being in the physical realm. A roof over our heads. We need food. And it's all done with exchange of money and possessions. And then one becomes addicted to that and becomes acquisitive and becomes unethical and is willing to abuse other people for their own ends. And now you have the understanding of why the physical realm can be so difficult. And of course, the goal is that when you bring in the energies of the higher realms, the physical realm becomes more like a playground and a fun place to be and have experiences. But when you don't, you have all these patterns that you take on and learn. And even an Elohim soul can become negative. And particularly an Elohim soul because they have so much more power than someone else. And You know, I, w- I was talking about this woman, Edie Sedgwick, who I became fascinated with, um, who was Andy Warhol's partner for, for a while. And I was watching some videos of her, and I said, I think she's an Elohim soul in this realm. And I did ask that question to Joy, and I got a yes on it. And some of you might remember her. You have to be old. It was in the 60s. And I, I was not that aware of her in the 60s, but I remember hearing her name. And she was the It Girl a superstar. Now, she wasn't a superstar in regular movies. She was a superstar in Andy Warhol's clique. And he had a really um, unusual manifestation. Because if you remember Andy Warhol, he became very well known for making paintings of Campbell's soup cans and Brillo boxes. And he was mass producing them in in a factory type location in New York City. And somehow he penetrated the upper echelons of New York society 
and everyone was buying his paintings. And he would hire all these misfits to work for him, making the paintings. And they were all interesting people. They were transvestites. They were into drugs. And what was the name of the band with Lou with Lou Reed? Velvet I, I Underground. To, yeah, they had, I, I remember the album. They had a big banana on the cover of the album. I had the album. Right, right, right. And um, Edie Sedgwick was this beautiful, ethereal being. And she came to New York to be a successful actress or model. And she came from a, a, a very difficult, wealthy family. And she wanted to get away from her family. And she wanted to be able to express herself. And she was at a party in New York City and met Andy Warhol, who was immediately attracted to her. And they got a, I say they got into a relationship. I don't know if they were having sex or not. But they were together all the time. And she was helping him. She could get into high society circles. And she would introduce Andy to the circles she got into. And she had tremendous charisma. And Andy Warhol got the idea of taking some of these misfits and making movies. And he started doing that. And he was making these bizarre, eccentric movies like somebody sleeping for eight hours. The movie was eight hours long. <laughs> and uh, and he was getting some level of recognition. And it, they were looking at it like an artistic expression. And she, she became the superstar of his movies because of her charisma. And she was very innocent. And she wanted to go to Hollywood. And Andy Warhol wanted to go to Hollywood. And he thought she, he, she was going to put him up on the Hollywood map. And that never happened. And after about a year... 
she got discouraged. And she wasn't making any money. And so she started looking for another... She was open to someone else who could help her with her own ambitions. And she found someone that she thought would work. And uh, she had a relation. According... This was not actually proven, but different people said it was true, okay? It never became public knowledge. And well, let me just see here. Who was it? Bob Dylan, wasn't it? Bob Dylan, right. And uh, And he was taken with her for a while. But then she couldn't hold the energy for him, you know? And he started writing. You think who? I I think Andy was celibate. And that's why he was fascinated with all the the sex around him. You know? Yeah. Well, people said he was gay. And I think he did have at least one gay relationship that I read. But I don't think he was promiscuous. And he kept his himself separate from all the... Right, um, right. Uh, what should I say? Misfits Crazy. around him. Yeah. Orgy. You know... Uh, yeah, you know, you know, uh, Velvet Underground wrote a song about E.D. Sedgwick, and it was called um, uh, Femme Fatale. I, I remember The Gift. Remember that one? No. But I won't get into it. Long story. It was a... But I did Song? It was a song? It was a song, yeah. Yeah. Now, at the time that that was going on, interestingly enough, I was busy hanging out in the studio with Mike Brown in the left bank. And I'm probably lucky that I never crossed paths with Andy Warhol. (laughs) (laughs) You would have liked to cross paths with Edie, though, that's for sure, man. With who? You would have liked to have crossed paths with Edie. Well, I probably not wouldn't have liked that even because I don't think she really understood how to love a man. She was so engaging and so um, angelic-like, and she was. A I mean, I. I, I have I have met people like her, okay? Maybe not to the extreme of her, but you know, they they knew they had come on some level they knew they had come from a higher realm and if you connect with them they will control you or try to, you know? Yeah. 
and 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 expect that you owe them something for connecting with such a high being on some level. And it doesn't it's not the foundation for a good relationship, okay? And uh so I don't think she would have ever connected to me because I was not. She was connecting with people who had very high social profiles, you know. But here I was listening to Bob Dylan's songs, and he was writing songs about her. And I remembered those songs, and I remember thinking, I wonder who he was having a relationship with that inspired this song. Like, just like a woman, for example. Right. Or like a Rolling Stone. Supposedly, she inspired those songs. Right? And I was taken with those. I was taken with all his music. I mean, I mean, he, he, he did something, and he did this for a lot of people. You know, we were all growing up in middle-class environments um, with, at, at that time, people were making a lot of money, and there was a lot of potential to make money. And people got all involved in, the, you know, increasing their material Assets. Okay. You're running out of time. We're running out of time? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Sija, are we ready for the healing list? Yes. How many people are on it? Let me check. Hold on. Five. Five. Okay. So, um... You know, we've talked about how the Elohim can move into your space and become one with you and make adjustments that can sometimes cause healings. So we do a healing list every Sunday. If you wanted to be on this list, you go to inthelight.intelligent-infinity.com. Inthelight.intelligent-infinity. All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. And I'm going to turn it over to Sija to go through the list. Sija. Thank you. Sija. Yes, hi. Will you, like, after any other requests, just start a 10-second pause of silence? to send energy to the request, and then you, again, pick up after the 10 seconds? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Let's do that. Thank you. And, and CJ, be sure and put Lauren on the list, okay? Okay. Lauren's in the hospital recovering from a broken hip. Okay. Yes, I think John's put him on the list. Okay, good. All right. Okay, I call in the love light to surround 
each person on this healing list listening to this call, listening to the replay, or reading a transcript. John from Las Vegas. Please put Kathleen Welsh from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Lauren Sania from Forks, Washington, into the Love Light for complete healing of all their health issues. Please put Gloria Fernandez from Las Vegas, Nevada, into the Love Light for complete healing from her cancer operation. Let's give 10 seconds for Kathleen Welsh. Three, two, one, go. And 10 seconds for Lauren Thania. Three, two, one, go. Ten seconds for Gloria Fernandez. Three, two, one, go. Thank you. John from Las Vegas. Please put decentralized cryptocurrency into the love light for massive worldwide adoption for them to become legal tender. Thank you for this perfect and fair monetary system that honors privacy, is free from taxation and free from surveillance. Please help decentralized cryptocurrencies to become more accessible and easier for people to use and understand. I ask that all of the above be done for the highest and greatest good of all concerned. Ten seconds for the cryptocurrency financial monetary system. Three, two, one, go. Thank you. Feature from England. Thank you, our beautiful friends in the higher realm. With gratitude and love for your divine intervention and manifestation of the Christ consciousness, bringing peaceful resolution, clearing, and healing of the highest order 
going to be earned. Thank you to the people who are service to others, taking positions of power and influence. Thank you for your loving protection that surrounds them now. Thank you for upholding truth and justice in our justice system and for your divine wisdom that guides all in the loving energy of the Christed light, honoring that which is paramount, free will, for the highest and greatest good of all concerned. And so it is. Thank you. Three, two, one, go. Thank you. Pauline from Flushing, New York. My foot, ankle, leg, right side, especially, not sure if it's bacteria or viral or psoriasis, eczema, skin, heal, please. Thank you. All else requested in the past eased or disappeared. And info and clarity came to my intuition via guide and spirit. Thank you. Let's put Pauline into the love light. Three, two, one, go. And thank you. Edward from Morgan City, Los Angeles, is putting Joanna Coyle from Hopewell Junction, New York, into the love light. And he says, please put Joanna Coyle into the love light to immerse her in the sound of the audible life stream and help her in her healing for kidney disease. Thank you. Let's put Joanna Coyle into the love light for 10 seconds. Three, two, one, go. And thank you. And bye bye, BBS folks. Thank you. Is, thank you, BBS. That is the end of the healing list. Thank you, Wim. Thank you, Hi. Thank you to our sources. Thank you, Terry. Thank Much you, <laughs> thank, thank you all for being here. God bless. Much love. All participants are unmuted. Happy Sunday, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you.
Same to you. Thank you.